Okay, guys, here it is, the big finale on this mini-series that I've been doing. Stories that I wish made it into the book or the movie Black Hawk Down, but they didn't make it. Well, today, I get a chance to talk to a guest that I have been trying to line up on this show for months. This is a famous entertainer. Well, I'll just tell you, this is Matthew Marston, one of the stars of the movie Black Hawk Down. And the reason why I looked forward to talking to Matthew is he is the epitome of what I respect in the entertainment industry when you have a great heart and great talent and hard work. So hang on, this is gonna be great. Here comes my interview with Matthew Marston on this episode of Unbeatable. These stories of triumph over adversity will help you handle your toughest days in life and become unbeatable. Real quick, before I get into the interview with Matthew, I want to remind you I couldn't do this episode today if it wasn't for the guys and gals at the Solomon Foundation. And they're committed to helping the local church grow. So if you want to connect with the Solomon Foundation, they can help you get an excellent return and make an eternal impact on your investments. Check them out at thesolomonfoundation.org. Now here's my interview with Matthew Marston on this grand finale episode of Unbeatable. Hey, Matthew, thanks for taking some time and working this into your very busy schedule to be with me on this episode of Unbeatable. Absolute pleasure. It's actually an honor to be uh, on this with you. So, uh, so yeah, it's a big, a big moment for me. I'm going to go back in time and just tell everybody who's listening, the first time that we met, you were uh, relatively new to your acting career, and I met you on this military base. Um, while you were training up for the movie Black Hawk Down, we, I think we actually grabbed some breakfast together at the local IHOP, and then you guys all flew over to Africa to go film the movie Black Hawk Down. Is that the first time we connected? That that is right. Yeah, that's actually right. Yeah, you, I, I've totally forgotten about that to be honest. But you're you're entirely right. Yeah, we I, did. That, I haven't right. forgot about it. I was so impressed with you at that IHOP before you flew off to go film the movie that I was like, I got to talk to this guy some more. That's right. You know, it's funny because we, we spoke, obviously we've spoken before on the phone and I didn't put two and two together. So that's amazing. You know, I, I completely remember now. I completely remember. By the way, yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to show you this because, and this is a little bit of surprise for you. Uh oh. Uh, yeah. Oh, he's got the Ranger t-shirt hanging up or showing off the Ranger t-shirt. Yeah. I love it, man. Looks this is, good. This is what I wore um, when we were training at Fort Benning. And, I, and I, I don't have the little Ranger shorts. I don't have those. I don't know why. Maybe I'll the, burn them or something like that. That's because we <laughs> called them Ranger panties and everybody hated Ranger panties. So yeah, you probably yeah. burned them. But I've got, I've got my, uh, I still have my, um, my army, my gray army t-shirt that they gave us and the gray army sweater. And we went yeah. to Ranger Joe's, uh, uh -huh. as well. And we bought some stuff. A so local... I, yeah, I still have sure. my airborne top because I wanted to, awesome. when we went over, I wanted to keep, you know, wearing it. And this is, uh, this is a real prized possession for me. And especially since after then, I've had Rangers send me gear. 
and said, no, you can, I'm like, well, you know, I don't, they're like, no, 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 you don't understand. Yeah, you yeah. can wear that. Like you can wear it. Yeah. Um, and, and it's a, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's a very strange thing to be associated with something so clearly all throughout my life. Um, you know, Black Hawk Down was a real seminal moment for me and a real transformative moment for me in my life. And meeting you guys was, I can't tell you. I mean, it, it started me on on this journey of discovery about why America is so great. Yeah. And I think that you guys really typified that and, and, and meeting that, that moment, the, the ranger orientation, right, that we, we did. Yeah. Uh, and then met you guys afterwards um, was really, really, like I said, I mean, it changed my life forever. You and I talked about this on the phone several months back, and this is part of what I want to get into in our conversation, how that movie impacted not your acting career, but how it impacted you personally. Um, I will tell you, I didn't realize the um, what you guys put into that movie until I met you that, that last day, um, had breakfast with you guys before you all went off to go film that movie. I had no idea the amount of time and energy that all of you guys that were playing Rangers in Black Hawk Down put into preparing for this role. And Matthew, I said it to you over the phone, but I want to say it in front of the listening audience. Man, you killed that role. All of you guys did, but a couple of you really, really stood out in my mind, and you're one of them. Um, I know who you played in the movie, but for those of those people that are listening um, who don't recognize the character that you played, would you tell them who you played in the movie? Yeah, I played uh, specialist Dale Sizemore, who since uh -huh. after we've become friends on social media and, you know, hopefully I'm going to meet him uh, uh, very soon. We haven't met, but he did send me, it's when he sent me uh, a bottle of Three Rangers. Three uh, Rangers whiskey. Yeah. Whiskey. And it's, and it's funny, it's on my, it's in my bar and I'm like, nobody can touch this until i drink it with that <laughs> don't even uh, breathe on it don't even get next to it right don't even go there yeah so yeah. i mean it, it was really amazing i mean it's one of those things where not only you're playing someone who is real but you're playing someone who you can talk to you know you're playing characters yeah. who were you know, yeah. characters but real people who were there and i think that that really really weighed heavy on us as actors in a good way not in a bad way in yeah. a good way and and going and meeting you guys um and doing the training was was super important and when we went over there i mean i i, I can speak for myself you know i mean all of us took it very seriously um you know but but i think for me it was the beginning of as i said before a real long journey uh, of, yeah. of an association with veterans, with especially with rangers, army rangers, and and the army, on the whole, and 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 also in extension to that, understanding why America is great, and and why it is such a special place, and that yeah. really started, you know, when we did ranger orientation in Black Hawk Down. Well, it had such a big impact on you that after a long time after filming the movie, you have since become, a, obviously anybody who's listening can tell by your accent that you didn't grow up in the United States. Um, let everybody know kind of how you got into acting. And then I want people to hear what, uh, you know, where you live now and the, the change that's gone on in your life. Okay. Uh, well, let's uh, talk about how you got into the, the, to, into 
Hollywood in the first place. I'm an actor, so you know actors love talking about themselves, Jeff. So you yes, know, of this course. Be... And I just queued you up for it. <laughs> All right. So, so basically, I grew up um, in the UK. I also grew up in Mordor, right? Because that was the area that Tolkien based Mordor on. So it was a very industrial, um, a very industrial town, very working class. I was a um, single parent mom. Uh, and you have to understand this. I mean, this is the, the amazing thing about America. Like, if you want to be an actor, Americans will say, you go for it. Like, you can do it. And it doesn't matter what social yeah. strata you come from. But I was very much on the lowest, right? And that does not <laughs> right. happen. It doesn't happen. In fact, the majority of my friends, uh, you know, went off. Uh, my, my One of my closest friends was a Grenadier Guard. So there was always this pull towards the military. Yeah. Um, which, which, you know, I really understood. But again, it was a very different motivation than what American soldiers or the, the ones that I know joined for, which was the love of country wanting to serve. Yeah. Very different thing over there. It's more like, okay, I need a job. You know, I need to right. um, get a trade. I mean, you know, you've worked with them. Yeah. Um, so, um, I mean, there's certain, certainly pride of their unit. I mean, if you work with the Paris or the Royal Marines, any of those guys, they're, yeah. they're very, very proud. And they have a love of then, which was then the Queen, right? Um, I can't speak now to, to who <laughs> is in right the now, but, monarch. but, but they love, you know, the, the guys love the Queen. Um, and, and for good reason, you know, she was an amazing person. But, but anyway, so I, I kind of like, I had this dream. I watched Star Wars and I was like, this All is right. amazing. I, you know, this is incredible. I, I would really love to do this. But that just wasn't an option. I, I'm like, that, that's, that's a dream. But the other thing I watched was Rocky. And it really nice. inspired me. Yeah, it inspired me to say, hey, you know what? It doesn't matter where you come from. If you work hard that's enough, right. you can do it. Uh, and, and that was a real a real thing for me and uh and again i don't think people understand how influential movies are around the world american movies yeah. are around the world which is why it's so important for people to be involved good people to be involved in the entertainment industry because it's a projection it's like you know the u.s projects power right it also yeah. does project morality or used to anyway yeah. Um, so I'm going to jump in at this point. There's some younger listeners who don't recognize the movie Rocky, but that movie influenced people all over the world. Just that iconic scene of Sylvester Stallone running up the stairs to the top of that monument and holding his boxing gloves up in the air while Eye of the Tiger is playing in the background. The whole world was motivated by that movie. But there's a bunch of young ones that have no idea how big of an influence that movie could have had on people. So, oh yeah, obviously, I mean, what Matthew and I are saying is both of us are a little bit older. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you've still got it on your workout playlist, right? I mean, we all. Yeah, do. I mean, right. I do. I still put Eye of the Tiger. Eye of the Tiger, I, yeah. When I want motivation, um, but so that movie it really inspired me and it made me think. You know what? If I work hard enough, I can overcome anything you know and i always yeah. say this to my kids right you know i will take hard work over intelligence every day every day because Absolutely. you know that that there yep. is a virtue to that right there's a virtue to hard work um uh, i mean you know i mean you passed <laughs> you went through ranger you know ranger training you know so ranger school so you know um so anyway i i, I really believed in it. it just so happened that i was very good at memorizing lines and 
even from when I was at school, I was always in the school play and that. And I was like, you know what? I might be able to, to actually make a living out of this. And then I got into something called the National Youth Theatre, which is, it's kind of like the elite of the elite. You know, uh, it's kind of like the Army Rangers for actors. Yeah, right? for young sure. Actors. All right. Uh, and you get in there and you're like, okay, um, that it's kind of a stamp of quality. So, yeah. for example, like, I believe Daniel Day-Lewis went there. Helen Mirren went there. Um, wow. Oh, yeah. Uh, Daniel Craig went there. So you can uh -huh. look at the list of, of actors that went through that system. Orlando Bloom went. You know, there's a, a, a bunch of people that went through. And, and that kind of gave me an opening because um, a lot of people that I was at National Youth Theatre with, their, their parents were famous, right? So they had that route, right? Everyone had their route. Yeah, it was very, right. I don't want to say it's elitist because obviously they let me in, but I think the acting on the, <laughs> for the most part is elitist, right? I mean, yeah. in England anyway, you have to, uh, although the ones that seem to break through, like Gary Oldman, who is an incredible uh -huh. actor, was a very working class and he just managed to break through through his talent. But, but it's very rare. It's the exception rather than the rule. So I, I got in there, uh, was doing a degree in performing arts, which isn't worth the paper it's written on, you know? All right. Uh, I always yeah. say to my kids, don't ever think that you're going to go to college and do a degree like that. Cause I'll be like, yep. no. And they're like, that's Dad, right. you. And I was like, forget it. Don't, don't even point to me. I'm an anomaly. Um, and then I got, um, I basically got an agent. And the first job I got was the third biggest show on British television. And I really? was on the, yeah, yeah, that's the first job I got. And I was on, proper job. And I was on that for, I want to say like three months. And then I came out of that. And then at that point, people started to pay attention to who I was. And I was auditioning for like very, very big uh -huh. projects at that point. And I got this call for this show called Coronation Street, which is, I mean, it's a soap, but, um, it's more than that. At that point, uh, 14 to 15 million people per episode wow. were watching it. Yeah. Yeah. Giant. And people like Ben Kingsley and Ian McKellen and, and Joan Wally. Oh, yeah. they, uh -huh. they, they were all on it. They, they wanted to be on it. it. It's a cultural, it's an iconically cultural show or a culturally iconic show. And so I got it and that was it. Like my life completely changed overnight. Uh, I was, um, to give you some kind of an idea that we shot, I think it was three or six weeks in advance. And I would, I can't remember now, it's been such a long time, but I would go to this, the local sandwich shop and get a sandwich, which would walk out the gates of the studio, uh -huh. the sandwich shop was there and I'd come back and I'd eat my sandwich and I, I did that every day. And then it was uh 3rd of March, 1997, which was my birthday. Uh First episode came out and I went to go out with my sandwich. What a birthday was, present. Boom. Yeah, the 4th of March, I couldn't go out the studio anymore. And it was, it was insane. I, you know, within three yeah. months, I won the best newcomer at the National Television Awards. And, and then, uh, I, I wanted, I only wanted to be in the show for a year, um, because I didn't want to be typecast because most people yeah, never leave that. Definitely. Most, yeah, yeah, most people never leave the show because it's a great show and you make a lot of money. And, but I always wanted to do more. Uh, for myself, you know, challenge myself more in different roles. And so I left and I actually signed a recording contract with Columbia Records. Um, yeah, I, I, I was going to 
ask you to tell people about your voice because you're not just an actor. You've got lots of talent in different areas. What was the recording contract for? Well, that was so as an actor, look, look, as someone that's growing up, who grew up with nothing. I wanted to maximize the amount of chances that I had to actually uh-huh. make money, like to get work. So I was like, well, if I need to do musicals or whatever, then I need to be able to sing. And I'd always loved singing. And, uh, and so when I was going through college, I was going and I was doing singing lessons and, and I actually got offered a recording contract before I even got any acting jobs. Yeah. And I, I just didn't feel like I was mature enough for it. And as it turns out, even when I got one, I wasn't mature enough for it. But, uh, <laughs> um, so I got offered a recording contract by multiple record companies and signed with Columbia records, because again, Columbia has this history, uh, yeah, American sure. artists, yeah. and, you know, crossover artists from film. And I was like, this is perfect. So I did that. I did a song with destiny's Charms, Beyonce. Um, and then, um, <clears throat> There was a that you were was, a backup singer for Beyonce. Is that what you just said? No, Beyonce was a backup singer for me. How about <laughs> I that? I love it. Yeah. yeah. And where That's is what I'm she talking now? about. Uh, where is yeah. she now? That's yeah, right. You put world. Beyonce on the map. You, you, know you can it. go ahead and quote him. I'm gonna I'm gonna take that. Yeah, no. No, I mean it was <laughs> yeah. it was amazing to do that. I mean that was uh that was quite something. Uh but that was around the time that um, people didn't know what was going on with digital. I know this is hard yeah, for the youngsters right. to understand, but people are like, uh, where's it going? The, uh, at yeah. some point, people were saying, it was so crazy just for the, your listeners. People were saying, well, maybe we'll have stores where you go and you plug your phone in or your, your iPod in, you download from there. Yeah. And that's how you buy it. And, you know, like Nobody could, could even comprehend doing what we do right now. I remember that period very, very clearly. Yeah. Well, it was it was a very kind of disruptive time for the the music industry. So it was really like people didn't know what they were doing, which way it was going to go, blah blah blah. By the way, there's probably going to my phone's my front doorbell's going to sure. ring in a minute, so yeah. I apologize for that. No um, worries. Anyway, uh, delivery. Um, it was it was really in turmoil. The guy, the guy that signed me left the company, which is always a disaster for yeah. for artists because the new guy, the new guy that comes in, um, always wants to put his stamp on. And so I didn't like the way that it was going there. So I, I basically left the company. Uh, I had a great time, you know. It was amazing. A couple of years um, doing music, going around the world. Uh, you know, I mean, it's every person's dream, right? I think anyway, everyone at some point yeah. has stood in the shower and like been singing. So anyway, I did that. And then uh, I came away from that and I found out that there was a movie being made with Michael Caine uh, called China and it was playing a boxer. Uh-huh. And, and so I'm, I'm very good friends with uh, a guy called Richie Woodall, who if you guys remember the 1988 Olympics in Seoul, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. when Roy Jones was robbed, of the gold mm-hmm. medal and he got the silver. My buddy Richie got the bronze. So he went on to be uh, the WBC super middleweight champion of the world. Uh-huh. So, so when I started training with him uh, and when I came to audition for the role, so I knew it was going, the, the, the guy said, can you box? I said, I'll fight anyone for this role. Anybody. <laughs> All right. I might right. not win. I might not win. That's right. But, uh, but again, that's kind of like coming from the background that I came from. It was a little bit rough, you know, it was a little yeah. bit rough. And so, you know, we knew 
that we had to be able to handle ourselves. And, um, and so I wasn't afraid of that. So anyway, I did that. And from there, Hollywood came calling because Michael had just been nominated for Cider House Rules. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, he actually said that this movie showing that we did was the role that he was born to play. So we anticipated yeah. that it was going to be huge. Andy Serkis was in it before he went to be Gollum, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Um, and then I came over to Hollywood and I heard about this movie, Black Hawk Down. And what was funny was they were like, yeah, it's about the, the Rangers. I was like, Texas Rangers? I know about Texas Rangers. <laughs> yeah, the baseball like, team? Yeah, yeah. I was like, what? And they're like, no, they're Army Rangers. And so I, I read, they, they actually gave us the book to read. Uh-huh, yeah. And they said, read the book, Mark Bowden's book. And we, when we, I originally went up and auditioned for Durant. Uh, because I think that was the, for the yeah. most of the, most of the guys we auditioned for Durant, I think Mike Durant's role. Uh, and it was the scene where, you know, um, the guy comes in and he says, you shouldn't have come here, you know, yeah. and he's all, right. he's all yeah. busted up. Uh, so I did that. And then they said, actually, you're going to play an army ranger. And apart from, I think maybe a couple of the, the big guys that had already established themselves. Like, I mean, Eric had yeah. just done Chopper and then he, he, he was playing Norm, uh, -huh. uh Hooten, uh, or Hoot as they call it in the film. Um, the majority of us were like, we just want to be in this movie because we knew. Yeah. And, and what a lot of people don't realize if they cast their mind back, the war hadn't started yet. The war in Iraq That's right. hadn't yeah. started. That's right. So this yep. was the last engagement outside of the, the special operations. And when I say that, you know what I mean? Like the, yeah. the guys that yeah. were dropping and doing other stuff. Um, you know, this was the last engagement that Amer America had been in, you know, that was, was your engagement in Somalia, right? There hadn't been pretty much anything for all yeah. those years. Um, so it was a really, really huge deal. And so we, we got told, okay, you're going to get a boot camp in Fort Benning. <laughs> And I was like, and you got to cut awesome. your hair and that's yeah. right. You got to cut your hair and you got to, you got to actually look like, you know what you're doing. Yeah. And, and so what was funny about that, I think it's on a special feature somewhere where we went and got a haircut. It was awesome. And I think that what a lot of people don't understand, and obviously you do, is that I know it sounds silly, but everyone getting their haircut the same unites you immediately. Like, yeah, you know, you, sure you're, you look at everyone yeah. and you're like, we're part of a team. It, it's like right. psychologically, it was amazing. The one thing that I'll never forget that I think we messed up on, to be honest, was we turned up there and we had uh, desert gear on. Yeah, and everybody right. else on the base was wearing green. And I was uh -huh. like, we really stick out, you know? Uh, <laughs> so, but, but it was going there, um, getting the classes. I mean, I, for me, it was a dream come true because I was kind of yeah. like, I was doing what the other profession I would have actually loved to have done without yeah. having to really commit for four years and, you know, but what was, I'll tell the audience this, it was, there was a couple of things that happened to me, which was really amazing was I'd never held a firearm, never used a firearm before. And, all right. And they'd given me, uh, you know, we all had the old M16s at the time, you know, with, yeah. the, with the solid stock and everything. Right. And I remember getting that firearm and turning like that and I flagged someone and one of the rangers went, Wah! just went berserk, right? Dude, yep. they like walloped me. 
I of have course. never, never, ever, ever done that again. <laughs> Takes one ever time. Done that again. Yep. I'm it like, only okay. has to happen once. So what do you do? Because you know, for people that don't understand, you don't. You, you know, it's it's all a game. You don't realize that at the end of the boomstick, there's something that can. You know, that's right. You, yeah. You're going to die. So that was that was quite something. And uh, and I've spoken about this before, but I think this is you know the you know the the jumping off point for me was we were at the I don't know what you call it now. It's like in, in the the. Brits call it the kill house, right? But we were there yeah, doing that's CQB. Right. We call stuff. it the shoot house. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, you know, for people that don't know, I mean, maybe you can explain it to them, Jeff, like what that is. Um, yeah, sure. So all the walls are designed to absorb bullets and the wall, the roof is open, but there's doors, there's windows. It's designed to look like a building. And then you put uh, warriors in those rooms and you put targets in the rooms and you let them go and shoot in those rooms. And people, uh, you know, friendly forces get killed if they don't know what they're doing. And on the, the, the tops of the walls are walking platforms for for guys to observe what's happening in the room and to kind of make sure that nobody gets, nobody kills each other in that room, but also make sure that you know what you're doing as soon as you enter the door. That's the that, very short definition of the that, that was just perfect. I, I can still, it's still etched in my mind because we yep. got to walk along those, those gangways and we watch you guys do it. It is unbelievable when you see the real guys go through that, you know, when they're stacking on the door, squeeze on the shoulder, in you go. They flow I mean, so smoothly. Oh, yep. It is unbelievable. And, you know, you get your corners, you know, you get your guys under. I still remember it vividly. The training was so good that we got. And I was outside and we all, we, you know, because we were stacking in groups of four, right? So, so I was waiting my turn. And I remember sitting there and there was a young ranger there. And I think I was like 20, 27 when I did the film. Uh -huh. So what was weird was if you look at the groups of rangers and the Delta guys in the, in the film, um, there's like 21 year olds, 22 year olds, young guys. And then there's 30 and up and I was right uh -huh. in the middle. Right. So I was, yeah. I was, I was kind of like in between the two. And even in the film, like I spend the majority of my time with, with, uh, Eric, because we split yeah. off going back in. So, um, it was kind of weird for me being in that middle age, you know, you know, older than these guys and younger than those guys. But, um, so I was sitting outside with this ranger. So I was older than him. I was a good five years older than him. And, and I, I was talking to him. I was doing my act a bit, you know, I was like, so, you know, what's your motivation? You know, yeah, and, and, I, right. and I said, I said, why did you join the army? Uh, you know, and he said, for freedom. And that was like, still to the day, it's like, it's a nuclear bomb that went off in my yeah. brain, you know, and I was like, hang on a minute, you know, well, it, like I said before, my friends went in to get a, to get a trade, yeah. you know, to go into SIGINT, you know, to, uh -huh. to learn, right. you know, I had a, and I went, and it was just this moment of clarity, you know, where I said to him, You'd die for me, wouldn't you? And he went, yes, sir. And I just went, this is the greatest country in the world. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I need to know everything about it. I need to, you know, I looked at this guy, and I'm like, he meant it.
because I think yeah. a lot of people get carried away, you know, and you're like freedom, freedom, freedom. And you don't really understand it. And think about Americans that re they really understand what freedom is. Yeah. I mean, it's going away from that now, but the, there's, there's something like fiercely independent in Americans that really understand that freedom matters. And, and I think in Europe, it's a little bit like, okay, well, we're free. And then you come to America and you go, well, actually, you're not at all. You, you think you that's are. Right. It's the illusion yeah. of freedom. But you don't have true freedom. And that's why, you know, I mean, I could go off on one about the Second Amendment. But, but all that was started me on this path of going, why is it that a man would say this? Why is it that a man that, I mean, it's not like he's not really committing something, right? Because that's exactly he's willing, right. Yeah. He's willing he's, to he's pay putting the all on the line for that. And for me, and, and he doesn't know me, but he understands that freedom is so important to me that he's, he is willing to die for yeah. me. It's kind of like somebody else we know, right? Yeah, that's right. Somebody who's willing to die for, yeah. yeah. So anyway, that was the beginning of my love affair, my real love affair with the United States of America. Um, because you can, it's kind of like akin to, you know, looking at a picture of Cindy Crawford or whatever and going, wow, she's really beautiful, right? That's really beautiful. I'd really love to date yeah. her. And then when you, you actually meet her and you understand that there's all this, that there's so much more to yeah. that. And actually the beauty is, is, is a lot deeper than that. Yeah. You're like, wow, you know, it's, it's transformative. So, you know, I started reading and this was at the same time I was, uh, finding I was going more into my faith. It's really, uh -huh. you know, both, both kind of happening at the same time, which was, right. which was amazing, uh, and made a lot of sense. And America makes a lot more sense if you go along that route, you know, and understand yeah. the, the, kind of you know it's it's a parallel um it's a parallel journey that you know you i look at people now and and the people that don't understand the united states and they don't understand one side of things is because they don't have faith and they don't understand yeah. that there is something bigger uh, and and all the founding fathers understood that uh, or most of them anyway um, right. understood yeah. that and it's certainly a country that was based upon those principles and values so anyway, as I'm going through um, my kind of like, oh, hang on a minute. What was this like taxation without representation thing? Yeah, right. You know, because they don't talk about that in the UK. My, my American I'm friends sure would be don't. like, no, they'd be like, happy 4th of July. I'm like, I don't understand why you think that's a big <laughs> thing, but I, okay. Right. And then you read it and you're like, you know, when I became a citizen, especially like the 4th of July is super important. <laughs> Yeah. You know, it's like, it really means something. It's not just somewhere where you can go and have a bunch of hot dogs and, you know, it really means something. So, um, working with the army rangers on that, going off training, getting to know them, you know, just so a lot of people, you know, people that might not know, we had guys come out with us, yeah. uh, active duty and former, That's right. yeah. and former rangers. So we spent a lot of time and, uh, I, I, I'll tell you a story sometime about when I was in a club with a bunch of army rangers. Now this guy, um, I'll tell you quickly, actually. So we were in this sure. club, we're in this club. Um, and I wasn't, I, I, I never drank, right? So I was, I was really, you know, I wasn't, you know, three sheets to the wind or whatever. I, I was, uh -huh. I was sober. And basically, um, there was a, an instant where 
one of the locals said something racist, like really, really racist yeah. to uh, a Somalian girl that was there. And I was talking to her because, you know, she's Somalian. She's in sure. Morocco. Yeah. And, and my friend had met her and started speaking to her before. And this guy came across and said something really, really bad. And I was like, hey, you don't do that. Don't speak to a lady like that and don't say that kind of thing. You know, and uh, the guy squared up to me in the club. And what was right. really funny was I looked across like this and I just saw these high and tights go pop, 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 pop. I was, was going like, to say, was like I, I, I could tell you already, every oh. guy in the room was like, okay, we're about to, notice the language, we're about to get in a fight. And, and I looked and I was like, oh, snap. Like, that's the way it works. I forgot. <laughs> that's right. And, and, yep. and anyway, I had what happened then was a stunt guy came along and I could see all these army rangers like walking over. And, and the stunt guy goes, Matt, you need to go home. And so I went up the spiral staircase and it was, let's put it like this, it was dealt with. But it was that instant yeah. camaraderie, like the instant, yeah. like, it, that to me showed me, even though I wasn't an, an army ranger, I was for that moment. Yeah, right? For right. that moment, I was part of the team. And, um, and so anyway, like that, things like that, um, then afterwards, you know, obviously September 11th happened and a lot of the guys, yeah. uh, including Sergeant Barreras, uh, who tragically lost his life, which yeah, was, right. you know, heartbreaking, um, shipped off, you know, so I saw guys, yeah. it went from a peacetime scenario to those guys literally going off and fighting for our freedom. Yeah, right. Uh, and yeah. it was, it was really moving. Um, to know that, to know that there were guys that were laughing and joking with us, were were out there doing right. doing the job. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, which they all wanted to do. Uh, I mean, th course. this is the thing. Like every army ranger that, w which is really amazing. It's a real warrior mentality. Like they wanted to test themselves. Uh, yeah. You know, they wanted to see if they could do the, it. The ultimate test. Yep. It, it is. You know, if they can deliver and. Um, and again, which is why I think that you guys were such an inspiration to them, uh, because you, you'd done it, you know, you'd been there and you'd been yeah. in an impossible situation and, and, and acquitted yourself and got out of it, which was really unbelievable. But so anyway, I, that was my journey after that. And, and I realized that my life would be forever tied with the Ranger Regiment. Yeah. Uh, and I was very proud of that. And I was very proud of the, my association. And the reaction that every single army ranger that I meet afterwards, um, what, what's kind of amazing is, and I'm sure you had it when back in the day when you came oh, out of Somalia, these guys come up and said, I joined because, because of, of you. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, because, because of because Black Hawk Down, because of this thing, That's because right. of Black Hawk Down. And it was like that for 10 years, like 10 yeah. years, guys would come along and say, I joined because of that film, because of, and it was it was the depiction of the brotherhood and the honor yeah. uh, and of course how badass you guys were um but it, it was the ranger regiment is means so much more to me um than a film and and the unit it's uh, it, it, it yeah. represents so much more and it really with you guys and doing that film set me on a course that like say changed my life yeah. I, uh, I I've been working with veterans charities and and one of the one of the most amazing things for me has been I've had veterans come and talk to me 
it's kind of a weird scenario and we spoke about this before it's a weird scenario yeah. where i am not a veteran but so I, I i have that distance for them that i'm not you know i haven't gone through that but they kind of associate me with veterans so oh, it makes it okay course. to talk it yeah. makes it okay yeah. to talk so one of the greatest things honors and, and privileges i've had in my life is is to be able to talk to veterans and and help them in whichever way i can um, out of their particular situations that they might find themselves yeah. in um and i know you've done a lot of that and you you yeah. know um it, it's you know i mean that in and of itself is is just the greatest honor of my life you know to be able yeah. to do that um and and to be welcomed into that fold and again like i said i mean that and my faith are kind of you know although they were parallel at one point then they just go boop and you realize that it's yeah. it's it's all yeah. the same there's a couple of reasons why I really wanted to do this interview with you. And by the way, this week is the 30th anniversary of Somalia. We've been scheduling interviews over the last several weeks in this podcast of stories that I wish were told in the book and the movie, but they just didn't make it. And the reason I'm doing this interview with you as kind of the final grand finale interview is because of a few things you just said. I hope the audience didn't miss this. Your discussion about America is not just from a guy who grew up in the UK looking at it, but you're now a US citizen. It meant that much to you that you went through the process and you have become a US citizen. So you can really speak about it from both angles. And you've represented the your faith and you've represented uh, the roles that you played really, really well. In fact, the first time that you and I talked, it was because a couple of buddies of mine from Somalia said, Jeff, do you know about Matthew, the man, not the actor? Do you know about him as the man? And they told me a little bit about you. And they were like, hey, I said, would you pass me his information? I would love to get connected with him. And that's how you and I talked kind of the first time is just your reputation as a man, as a father, as a husband, as a voice in the entertainment industry that I'm really, really impressed by. Um, well, I also thank want you. people to hear. I mean, I, 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 let me just say this, you know, it is it is the greatest honor for me and, and a lot of people, you know, because, it, you know, the entertainment industry is hostile to people with views, views yeah. like mine and yours. Uh, it's very, very difficult to be worried and afraid when you know real heroes that have put their lives on the line. And, and the worst that I can get is, I mean, all right, they might cancel me and I might not be able to earn, all right? But, you know, I'm not running the Mogadishu mile, right? I'm not, you know, in that situation. I'm not there seeing my, my friends and colleagues die. So it's the least I could do is actually open my yeah. mouth and say, because, you know, I, I've been very fortunate to be around real heroes that would, do a lot more for me so it's a little yeah. bit pathetic if i wouldn't stand up for what i believe especially when you guys fought for me to be able to express to it to be able to do it yeah yeah well i hope people heard your work and your role in making your way into the entertainment industry it didn't come easy you you have done a lot of projects a lot of movies that i am proud of and not just black hawk down but you didn't get in by just being a pretty face. You went from Mordor to Hollywood through hard work. 
And I want people that are listening right now to hear, man, you did your work and you keep doing your work. And that's why you continue to make great or you're, you continue to do great roles in, in good projects because of the hard work you put into it. Yeah, I think that part of it, and thank you for that. I think that part of it is gratitude, you know, to, you know, you need to get up every day and be grateful for everything that you have. You know, I think that we're not, you know, we're not guaranteed to open our eyes in the morning, right? Right. So for me, I look and I go, hang on a second. I'm, I'm an actor. I'm a professional actor. Uh, that was a dream. If I cast my mind back, I always think like, think about when you're 10 years old and, and, and ask yourself if yeah. you went back in a time machine right. and you said, this is where I am now, would you take it? I'm like, yeah, take it. You know, that'd be awesome. <laughs> right. Um, but you know, the, the, the gratitude of having the opportunity to do it, um, the gratitude of actually being able to affect people's lives yeah. in a positive way is really quite something. Um, so, uh, I never take it for granted that I'm ever going to be working. I think, I think that's part of, um, all right. Yeah. It's part of, you know, part of being a, I think a working class, like, you know, kid, I'm always doing something, always trying to better myself. Right. And always, because at the end of the day, what, like what you realize, Jeff, and this is, this is one of the, and you know, this in a different way, right? It's all about getting that tab, right? Yeah. Getting that tab. Right getting that scroll, it's everything. And then you get it, and then you're like, that, that did, it doesn't define me. That's right. I mean, it, it, it defines, right. you know, it defines an yeah. element of you, but you think like, that's it. And of course, you're going to be a ranger, you'll always be a ranger, but it's like, that, that defines you. And then you're like, okay, all right, well now, now, if I'm tested by war, if, I, if, if I'm right. just tested by war, that's right. then that's it. And you go and you do it, and then you're like, because it's there's a hole inside you that that's right. with everyone that that you feel like that is and I don't you know I'm not going to go totally down that road right but the, this is the truth there's a hole inside you that that you you constantly think that if you have enough of X it's going to fulfill it right so for me it's like oh you know if if I just become an actor even if I become an actor I right. do community thing that it doesn't matter and then I get that right well let's go back even further than that. It's like if I get a national youth theatre, if I get if I get there, then wow, that's amazing. I get there, and then you're like, yeah, but really, I want to work, right? Really, I want to work, right. and then you get theatre, and you're like, yeah, but really, I want to do TV, and then you get TV, and you're like, well, really, I want to do film, and you get film, and you go, well, really, I want to be in Hollywood. You get in Hollywood, you win, you know, a movie that wins two Oscars, legendary movie, one of the top ten war movies of all time. Yeah, but yeah. but but really, you know, I want the lead, and you get the lead, and then you're like, and none of it ah. fills you up. It doesn't right. matter. Yep. It's all irrelevant. Like none of it matters. And, and the reason what one of the big tragedies is that, you know, for that guy that wanted to get his Ranger tab that never got it, that was the thing for him. But, but it really right. wasn't. He thinks it is right. But be, when he gets it it's, and it doesn't matter, you see all the time. And, and I think for me, that is, and, and, and we all struggle with it, right? We all struggle with. You know, what is that thing that's, that you're looking to fulfill you? And, and it's never, I can tell you right now, it, never enough fame, never enough money. It, it, it doesn't that's do exactly it. You, right. you, that's yep. why you see so many miserable people around. Uh, and it, it, it really isn't about that. And I think that I'm very, I'm very grateful 
every day that i mean even me i'll get up every day and i'm like like I'm, i'll do a course on this i'll do a course on that that's why yeah. i went and i and i and i learned how to dive and became a, a, a paddy dive master that i got my black belt and taekwondo dog at this all and right that. yeah it's like you know but the truth of the matter is is what you really need is stillness and a connection to god right i mean that, that that's right. that's the truth of it because that's the only thing you can have and and it was again if i look back on my life i'm sure if you look back on your life and you were to do like a, some kind of like a flow chart, you know, if that goes there and that yeah. goes that, 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 and you follow it through and you see all these courses, really, it's all heading you towards one particular direction. That's even right. if you yeah. don't want to recognize that. Right. And I think that, and, and I can say it because, you know, I, I was, I came from a secular country that doesn't have faith that, that, you know, it, 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 and you see it now, you see all the problems that come with that. And we've seen the problems that come with that in yeah. in our country, in yeah. and and not that yeah. I want to, I don't want to derail it by talking about that, but I I can't, you know, it, it's like we said before, like when when you were in Somalia, so when you were in Somalia, you were ready, you were like, okay, I'm calm, right? And everyone was looking at you, and I can tell people who maybe don't know, everyone was looking at you like, what is going on with Jeff? That's like right. yeah. he's so yeah. calm. Like, he's just like, he's like, I'm, I've got to get my job done. You know, I'm doing my job. And you're like, you were already gone in your brain, right? It, it was over yeah. and you were ready. And you're like, okay, yeah, as best as you can, right? And, and I always right. think, I always think that there's, you know, everyone has that moment. If ever you go, if ever you go to the doctors and they say, oh, we found a, we found, we found a mass. There's we something that's mass. not there's good something here. There. Yeah. All of a sudden you realize you go, is it like is this yeah. and then and then everything like aligns and i think that with soldiers you know the, that first crack you're like and this might be it this might be it. Yep. there's no guarantees there's no there's no yeah as you know it could quite easily have been you as any of the other guys that didn't make it that's right a, absolutely uh, so yep. so you know all of a sudden you know they say there are no atheists in a foxhole you kind of go and say okay well what does this mean? Like, like, because I, I speak to my friends a lot about this. You know, that old adage is like, you know, there's a person floating in the ocean and they're like, God, why don't you help me? And, and he's like, well, I sent a plane and I sent a boat, you know, the That's whole right. thing. And I think that what's really important and what, what I had to do was recognize what all this means. Like, like what does, what is the point of all this really in, in a, in a bigger context? Uh, because you get to those heights and you go, what does it really matter? Matthew, I'll tell you about one of the most disappointing days of my life in the army. And um, it's not, I, I think it may surprise you. I spent three years of my life while I was in the Ranger Regiment preparing every waking moment, spending every ounce of energy that I had physically exhausting myself every day for the best Ranger competition. In 1994 and 95, I came in fourth place. In 1996, by God's grace, my partner Isaac and I won the best ranger competition. And in the military circles, that makes you a legend overnight. And it's it's kind of the 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 ultimate uh, sign of toughness and you know your skills as a warrior. The best ranger competition, the most disappointing day of my life was the moment after winning the best ranger competition 
right before the award ceremony the next morning because I got up the next morning and I was like, I have just given my whole life to one thing. I've got it and it didn't really fulfill me. It's not what I thought it was. And now what? And that now what question really, really stuck with me. So I want to go all the way down this road with you. You're a guy who I have the greatest respect for. As an actor, your skills and your talent as an entertainer. But my respect for you is your courage to be willing to speak out about your faith in a very hostile environment like Hollywood. And not only do you speak out about it, but man, you live it. You live your faith out with your wife and your family and your eight children. Um, and you live it out in an environment that it's not easy to um, consistently live out your faith. So let's go all the way down this road, man. You, if, if fame and fortune and success could fill you up, you are the one human being on the planet that should be most satisfied. And what you just said to the listeners is, I had all of that and it didn't fill me up. So now I want you to tell them what did fill you up. Yeah, well... And by the way, I know Mike Trisler as well. I don't know if you know Mike Trisler. Yes, of course. And for, and for people that Mike don't won know, the Mike won the competition in 1995. I chased that guy all over <laughs> Georgia two years in a row. <laughs> He's the, and by the way, like I was, I just want to tell you this just very quickly. I was down in, um, I was down in Louisiana. I was in New Orleans, and uh, I was at a cafe, and this guy came. It was a black guy, and he. Had, he was a veteran. He'd come out of um, he'd come out of the army, and he was signing back up. He'd come out and he was going back, and he was a he was a ranger. And at the time, you know, he recognized me from Black Hawk Down, and uh -huh. I was talking, and and I said, you know, I mean, it was like to say it's kind of really humbling. So it was like, oh. and that's the way I feel about you guys. I'm like, oh yeah. Uh, and he said, um, I, I got into Mike Trisler because I just worked with Mike Trisler, and and. If people don't understand it, like you are a god if you win the best range of competition. It like, really it, it, is a legendary status overnight. It, it, yeah. it is. It, it just is. And he was like, no, Mike Trisler. It was like, <laughs> like, it was just the biggest thing. And, and I actually got him on the phone. He's talking to you, a Hollywood celebrity, saying, you know this ranger who won the best ranger competition? Well, I, I relate to it. You know what I mean? I relate to it. I mean, if you around my room here, yeah, I've got posts. I've also got all my challenge coins up there that I've got all right. for the guys. So it's a big deal. Yeah. So, yeah, going back to my, my – my, let me talk about me for a second. But, yeah, yes. so I um, – just after I did Black Hawk Down, um, I did a I did a television pilot, uh, uh, which is now called Legacy. I mean, it was written by Simon Kinberg, who who wrote all the X Men movies. Huge, huge guy, um, and produced by Jerry Bruckheimer, who did Black Hawk Down. Uh -huh. yeah. And I, I was on that with a girl um, called Joy Lenz, and Joy went on to go and be in um, in One Tree Hill. Wonderful, wonderful person. And she came up to me one night, she knocks on my door and she gives me a book and it's The Case for Christ Yeah, by Lee Strobel. Uh -huh. It was totally yeah. random, like totally random. She went, I just want you to have this. And I'm like, okay. And so I read the book and I just went whoomp, straight through it. And at the end of it, I'm like, oh, Jesus is real. Okay. He yeah. just, that book made it tangible for me because I'm, I'm a little bit more of a, like a logic and reason guy. And the way that Lee like breaks it down as a, as a investigative journalist, 
it uh-huh. just made it made a lot of sense for me. It, it just did. And so I started reading that. So I read that, and then I read the case for faith, and then the case for creator. And and I was like, okay, all right, this is all real. You know, it was tangible for me. It wasn't like, well, there's God, you know, and there's this guy Jesus, and he wears like big sandals and blind robes. And it, it it made him real. It made Jesus real for me. Uh-huh. And uh, and also understanding that like I don't feel that on every you know because I think a lot of people feel as as like Christians you feel you feel this wonder all the time and a lot of people just don't you know I mean I think yeah, that there's, sure. there's there's a lot of people that said you know um, that they never felt Christ in their life but they understood yeah. that he was and I think that right. that's a really really important distinction. Right, because you know it's not about emotions; it's about the truth. That's right. right. Yeah. So I um, started reading and reading and reading, and and then at the same time. So it's funny, like where the more I read and got into my faith, the less work I got. It was kind of like this, right? It's kind of funny. How about that? Yeah, totally funny. And I and I can plot it as well. You know, you can really plot and see yeah. the twist, right? And then I met my wife, and um. And then we, uh, you know, I'd come up to her and I'd be like, when we date, I'm like, you've got to read this. Like, you know, this, <laughs> do you know there's an uncaused first cause, you know, and, and the argument from, you know, it, uh, and, and I was, because I was on a, a Thomas Aquinas, like, yeah, fest, yeah. right? Like finding out that you can actually prove that there's a God by reason. And that to me was like, it was, was just like mind blowing to me. And I felt betrayed because nobody had ever told me this and nobody had ever told me that. And nobody, you know, there, there's all these things growing up as a, as a as a catholic in england just had really really bad formation and uh-huh. i was just like this doesn't make any sense to me and then i came back and studied and i felt betrayed because i, I felt like i hadn't been taught correctly yeah um, i love the, that the, language i felt it, betrayed for not yeah, being yeah. taught correctly i did yeah. and, and like, i was a low information christian you know i mean and it, and it was horrible and that's why when you realize Here's the funny thing. When people come up and, you know, you know this, I know you know this. People come up with the argument. You're like, is that the argument you're going to give me? That is such a softball. That's the best you got? It's so weak. So weak. And and then then they start getting into the straw man arguments. And I know because I was there. I asked those questions. I made those arguments. And then when you really look at it, you go, this is a very, it's very simple thinking. And then you have to look and say, well, what is it in your heart that's stopping you from recognizing that this is true? Like genuinely recognizing this is true. And then you look back and you see, well, hang on a minute. There's all these greats throughout the years, these great minds like G.K. Chesterton, C.S. Lewis. And, you know, you can go, I mean, those are just the the recent ones. I mean, without going back, back, back to the, to the heavy hitters, even going back to Aristotle and Plato and, 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 and what they thought, which, you know, obviously Augustine and, and uh, right. Aquinas built yeah. upon that. Um, but I think for me, it was this, this lie that, that, that it's, it's all about like having this, this complete blind faith, right? Like yeah. you can know God, like you can know God, like tangibly know God. So when I figured that out, I was like, okay, all right. Now, if I lose everything over here, am I okay with that? Yeah. The career and the contracts and everything that goes with it. Are you willing to give that up? 
You might not have to, but are you willing to give that up? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I am. Because I think that, look, this is what puzzles me as actors. As an actor, you should be pursuing the truth at all costs, right? Absolutely. Whether, whether yeah. it's the truth in the story of a script, whether it's the truth of a character, um, you know, the arc that they go along, whether it's the truth of the words, whether it's the truth of the scenario, whether it's the truth of the accent, you know, whatever it is, you should be trying to get to the essence of, of the truth of each element. And so, I, you know, I'd always done that. I think like, inside me, I was trying to, I was looking for the ultimate truth, yeah, right? I, right? I was really, and I made tons and tons of mistakes on the way, you know, because I think that what a lot of people don't realize is there's a lot of stuff masquerading as the truth. Uh -huh. right? a, that's not uh, really the truth. Th yep. that's, that's not the truth at all. And we kind of go, okay, well, I'm going to go down that route because it's easier for me. Um, but nobody ever said it was easy. It was going to be easy. And that, that's one of the things that I think I, I had to come to terms with. There's a real struggle when I, 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 the prayer I used to say every day, and it was, it was the one prayer that I would do. I'd never ask for anything, never. But I just said, God, I want to know you more. And that is a really powerful prayer. That's right. Because, that is a, yep. Because God will go, really? Get on your knees. Get on your knees. Uh, you're going to lose uh -huh. everything. You're going to lose absolutely everything. Do you know me? Do you know me? Because I'm all you've got, right? So, so that, that's the thing. It does. And it's, it's the same thing like I was saying when you're in war, right? You're in war and you go, this is it. Like the, yeah. there's, it's a, it's a life or death scenario. This is a reality. If I die, what does that mean? Right? Help me get through it because you right. can't go. Because, because especially, you know, I'm talking to an army ranger. There are no bigger alpha males on the planet than army rangers, right? And for an army ranger to have the humility to say, it's out of my control. It's all up to you. That's right. right. And, yep. and that's the truth, right? It's the truth. It's I the remember truth. Yep. What, what they said to us, which was really funny. And this is, this is something that we could probably learn from, from the Muslims is that when Somalia was going down, they would take a, a weapon. This is what the guys from down to the beach and there'd uh -huh. be five of them go down and three of them would come back, right? Because they'd be figuring out how to, you know, figuring out how to work out a weapon, right? Yeah. And, they, and, and they'd ultimately die. But you know this, like when they're in war, uh, um, Muslims will shoot a bullet up in the air and they'll go, God will guide it. Right. God will take yeah. it to where it is, right? Now, it's ridiculous, right? But they do have more faith in God There's a than degree many of faith Christians in that. Do, yep. than many Christians yep. do because they, they, if you realize that none of it is reliant on you, really, I mean, why is it, you know, you work like everything relies on you and you pray like everything relies That's on right. God. Yep. But, but the truth of the matter is, is even when it comes to existence, is, existence is held in, a, you know, Creation is there being held by God's will alone, right? If he didn't will it, it would all go away. Right. And when you really understand that and you go, wow, okay, there was nothing, then there was something, and that something was created by will, and matter was created by will. And then the, the way I say it is this, Jeff, is that if you make a, a chair out of wood and the creator of that chair walks out of the room, the chair will still be there because it right. was made of something other than the creator.
right? Well, we are held in existence by the creator. And if the right. creator walks out of the room, we're in a lot of trouble because there's <laughs> nothing exactly else that we're right. reliant on. Yeah. So, so right. that, that, that's a real thing for me. And again, if you strip it all away, right, and you, you get a, a, around the straw man arguments, which 90% of these arguments are straw man uh -huh. arguments about the existence of God, um, what have you got left, right? I know that, so if for people who don't know that, Pascal's wager, right, Pascal's wager was basically like, okay, um, I believe in God, you don't believe in God, right? If there is a God, I'm okay, you know, yeah, a lot of trouble. If there is no God, I'm okay, and you're okay, so it doesn't matter. So Pascal's wager is, you might want to bet on the fact that there's yeah, a God. If you're going to take a bet, you might want to bet on God, right? Yeah, yeah, and 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 you know, I mean, all these things. I feel that they're not explained enough to people because I think a lot of people focus too. I would say focus too much on Jesus, but you, you understand what I mean when I say yeah, like, like like we talk about this this figure and the Bible is an authority. When people don't believe that the Bible is an authority and they don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God, so you have to take it back before that, and you have to talk about right. like what you know, what is existence? Where does it come from? And can we know that there's a God uh, outside of the Bible? Because because we can, right? We can. And that argument really, I think, that was what, what moved things for me. And then, then everything else makes sense after that, you know, when you go through the Old Testament to the New Testament. You're like, oh, hang on a second. The fact that Jesus would, would be alive when he was, he was of the lineage that he was, and all the other things is the equivalent of a tornado going through a wrecking yard That's and assembling exactly right. a 747. Yeah. Like, you, you you are being delusional if you don't think that that is special. Even just say it's special, right. it's just special, yeah. right? So for me, that's what happened, and and I, you know, I went through that process, understanding you know Aquinas is proofs for the existence of God, uh -huh. uh, which then, if you follow it through and you 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 truly read you know the Old Testament, look at the Old Testament and where it was going, and that Jesus was a fulfillment of that, and then go through Jesus's life and then understand how that affects you uh, and and what is actually going on there, and understand like that that we are we are uh, you know we had a covenant relationship with God. It looks like this. we had a covenant relationship with God, then we broke it right you know with with sin. So we broke that. So we need the watchmaker to come back in and, and, and fix us. You know, you have to put your ego, your ego to one side, especially, yeah, especially, and this is what's difficult is if you've sinned, which everyone has, because people think, oh, uh -huh. they, you know, they, it's all, it's all unforgivable. There's only one unforgivable sin, right? But, but, um, the fact is, is that grace and gratitude is just, incredible it's really really incredible it's transformative and all i can say is i'm just very very blessed to have the trajectory that i was on and i don't think there is any country in the world that i could have had the same journey and that is why this country is so important yeah. it's so important yeah. to fight for this country even if it's a, you know a moral you know on on moralistic levels like right, on, on yeah. ethical levels it's super important to fight for it so you have this kind of like this journey that america is very very special 
but it's special when it's in combination with faith. That's right. You can't detach America from that. Yeah. You can't. One of my favorite American presidents of all time made the statement, America is a great nation because it's a good nation. By good, it meant more. This is yeah. President Ronald Reagan, who meant morally good. And if, and I'll never forget the way Reagan said this, if America stops being good, morally good, she will also stop being a great country. No, no, I was just saying that, that I think that, that, People look and see, and this is one of the things that, that kind of drives me a little bit bonkers. Good doesn't mean perfect. That's right. Yeah, I'm living proof of that, as are you. <laughs> I don't know We're about you, but I'm that. pretty perfect. I tell my wife that all the time. <laughs> all right. Yeah, and I'm sure that goes over pretty well with her. Um, I, you're talking right now about one of my greatest heroes of the faith of all time, a guy by the name of Augustine. We call him St. Augustine. And he described how all of us, and I am living proof of this, you're describing it in this episode. All of us have this hole in our hearts and we try everything, a career and success and fame and fortune, and maybe it'll fill that hole up. And for me, there was lots of things that I tried and none of it filled that hole up. And then St. Augustine said it this way. That hole is uniquely shaped like God and by God, and only God can fill that hole up. And to try to fill it up with anything else is going to leave you let down. Yeah. And you have demonstrated that really well for us in this interview. Matthew, I'm not starstruck at all. There's only really two celebrities that I would ever like to meet, and I would only like to shake their hand. I don't even need to take a selfie with them. Besides you, it's Jim Caviezel because of how very open he is about his faith. It's Gary Sinise because of how intensely patriotic he is and how much he does for warriors. And in you, Matthew, and I'm not saying this because of this episode, I mean these words, you are both. You have the Jim Caviezel faith and you have the Gary Sinise patriotism. And man, this has been an honor for me. But before wow. I let you go, I got to say one thing. I hated with a passion war movies. The only war movie that I could really stand before Black Hawk Down was the movie Saving Private Ryan. And I hated war movies because they didn't really represent the warriors or what really happened. So all the way back to the beginning of this interview today. When I met you guys at IHOP, I had this absolute frustration with the fact that this was even me and made into a movie. I never, ever wanted my name associated with it. I never wanted it made into a movie. After the movie was released, when they showed this pre-release screening to us that were in Somalia, here in Georgia, Brian Van Holt, who played me in the movie, called me and he said, Jeff, what do you think? And I said, Brian, I am so proud of what you did in this movie. I actually said this to Mark Bowden, to Jerry Bruckheimer, to Ridley Scott, to all of the actors that I've talked to, and I need to say it to you. I've said it privately on the phone. I need to say it to you publicly. I am extremely proud of what you did with the movie Black Hawk Down. I don't know that you could make a major motion picture and make it more accurate than what you guys did and Matthew, what you did in that movie portrayed the Rangers and the special operators, the whole force. You guys portrayed it well. And I'm proud that my name is associated with that movie. So thank you. 
for representing us well, man. Well, that's um, that's really humbling. It's it's um, it's what every actor really wants to hear when they go out and do something so special, and uh, it means the world to me. It really does. I I, I said to uh, so Ian Virgo, who played Waddell uh-huh. uh, in the film, I turned to him and I said, "If we never do another movie again, it's okay." Because wow. it doesn't get any better than that. Yeah. You know, it really does. And by the way, Gary's the real deal. I know Gary very well. And he is exactly what you think he is. And yeah. and I, I yeah. do know Jim, not as well, but I do know Jim. And he's an incredible human being. Like he's so, he's amazing. So uh, good in, choices for those in my guys. Mind, in my mind, you're Gary and Jim in one package. And this interview has been, a hi- we've spent months and months working on this, but this interview has been a highlight for me just to be able to look you over the screen in the eyes and say, thank you for doing this story. And thank you for doing it so well, man. This interview has been awesome. Right back at you. Rangers lead the way. All the way, buddy. Matthew's not just famous, he is definitely not just a pretty face. He told you more than a few examples of how hard work can get you to your dreams in life. But if you missed everything else about this episode with Matthew, when you were driving, when you were doing the dishes, when you were listening, I hope you didn't miss Matthew's explanation of what really filled him up what really filled up this hole that he had in his heart. Matthew, thank you for being the grand finale guest on this mini series of stories that I wish made it into the book or the movie Black Hawk Down, but didn't make it. I hope you, the podcast listener, enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And by the way, if you stumbled across this podcast for the first time, Why don't you go ahead and subscribe right there on your favorite podcast platform? Or did you know that this episode, like all of them, are on video in YouTube? You can always subscribe there and just watch this at your leisure. I'm using the British definition of leisure because of Matthew's awesome accent. Um, We're also, of course, on social media. If you just search on all of the podcasts, prominent social media platforms, search for at Unbeatable Podcast. You're going to meet some amazing people like my buddy, Ben Cochran. Ben, you are the guest of the week this week. And Ben, I've known you for a long, long time. That's not why you're the guest of the week. I am proud of you. I'm proud of your family. I'm proud of the guy that you are. And thank you for being so connected with us on social media. Ben, you are our guest of the week this week. Hey, did you guys know that I have a force of people that we're getting connected to one another? I'm sending content all week long to them. We call them the Unbeatable Army, and the Unbeatable Army are getting material from me throughout the week, not just podcast episodes. If you want to become part of the Unbeatable Army, it's free. Just go over to unbeatablearmy.com. Thanks, Matthew. Thanks, Matt Eversman. Thanks all of the guests over the last few weeks that have been willing to share their stories, stories that I wish made it into the book or the movie Black Hawk Down, but didn't. And now, hang on with us because next week I'll bring you another amazing guest. Thanks for being with me. 
Have a great week. God bless.